Welcome to another edition of Open All Laws, a QPR podcast that brings sunshine, smiles and warmth to everyone. Um, we thought, well, I thought we'd do a podcast because I couldn't sleep last night. I was trying to put a team together for a Saturday and a system together and what could happen, what could not happen, what will happen, where the fallout's going to be. And I thought I shouldn't suffer in silence. I'll make every other person suffer. Good afternoon, Safra. Afternoon, Paul. How are you doing? Is, what's the proper pronunciation of your name again? <laughs> we're we're going to do this again. Look at it. Yeah, Michael. Michael. Then you turn around and say, "Well, actually, it's not really Michael. I just prefer to be called Michael." Uh, we we'll go with that. Okay, fair enough. We've got young George Sharp, who's who's been around everywhere recently, and it's good to have him back to where it all started on the QPR pod when he was about ten. Hello, yeah, George. Good. Yeah, all right, Paul. Thanks for having me on again. All right, God, that voice is getting deeper and deeper. Man. I know, I know, every time. Uh, Expecting to break into a Johnny Cash song soon. Um, and we have got our little Mr. Faxy person who's also sleep deprived because he's got what? How old is your child now, Steve? Uh, about 11 months, Paul. 11 months, Steve, third out of course. And Steve has been given Saf advice because Saf is having a little baby soon. When's it due, Safa? January is due, so yeah, 19th of Jan, so not too long to go. No, I mean, it's weird, isn't it? We're, we're talking about QPR and how bad it all is, and you're about to afflict children with it. You're evil. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it is. So Steve's just ruled his eyes and gone, yeah, I am. Well, Paul, Paul, all I'll say is, all I'll say is when, you, when you miss out on um, your kid's bedtime, to go to QPR v Norwich in the League Cup first round uh, to a half-empty stadium, then you do have to start reappraising uh, your decisions. So that's all I'll say. I've done it once, you know, Steve. I've done it, <laughs> there was, there was, it was the season that we got relegated on the Jerry, um, and it was just awful. I think it was at Wimbledon. We were getting back. We got battered at Pre- if memory serves you right. And feel free to correct me because my brain doesn't work. We got battered at Wimbledon and Preston in the same week. And Preston was bad enough. And then we were getting battered again at Wimbledon or Selhurst Park, as it was. And I was just like, why am I doing this to myself? Why? And then I was doing the same thing next week again. I just, this is, I think, and it's something the club need to be careful of, all clubs do, because, you, you know, we're going through a hard time and it's a really hard time. But I think this, Relegation battle could be the camel back broken scenario, couldn't it, Steve? What do you think? Am I just overrating this? No, I think I think you're spot on, Paul. Um, I must say, I felt Blackburn was uh, very close to straw being broken because you know you're just watching it and it's just all so predictable. That's the problem. You know, we're going into all of these games and we're saying, okay. If we can just win this one, we can turn it around and we can start to build a bit of momentum and all that kind of stuff. But you go you go to games like that and you, I, don't bl- I don't blame people for saying that they're not going to go back until things kind of meaningfully change because I said to the guy next to me, it's, you know, we're 4-0 down within, you know, what is it, an hour or so. And you're kind of like, what what are we doing here? Like, what, I mean, what's literally, we're paying money to go and watch this kind of rubbish and it is rubbish it's not it's fine 
Well, we'll give it time. We'll give it time. I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll get with it. But um, no, it is. It, it's uh, how can you justify kind of going each week when uh, that kind of and it hasn't always been like that in recent weeks. I think but it'll be fair to say. But it's um, it's a difficult one. It's a really difficult one. For what it's worth, I think the crowd at Loftus Road have been remarkably patient. I think that's the thing I took away from that game. It was. Yeah, it was frustration. A lot of people left when they scored the third goal and the fourth goal, but I didn't detect, I still didn't detect people turning, like actively turning. Um, I think a lot of people did. I lost. Yeah, well, maybe they did. Yeah, well, maybe the, just that was the people around me, maybe. But I, I, think, I think it was I, a collective sigh, Steve. Do you know what I mean? It was kind of like, here we go again. It was resigned. And yeah. It, it was everyone, wanted, everyone wanted Gareth the end of to work for historical reasons. And he talked, well, we know he's got a passion. We know he's got the love for the club. I fear the Blackburn game, Safa, he lost a lot of people. Or am I just, again, over-egging it? No, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I always, you try to be as positive as you can, but I mean, coming off the the back of the Leeds performance, which was, you know, I, the hard thing with Leeds, I went up there knowing we're going to lose anyway. So, you know, 1-0, you'd look at it and go, well, narrow loss, but... We were never ever in that game. I mean, if I know Dykes had the chance at the end, but we were, we were just yeah. The moment that goal went in, you kind of felt that was game over. But the the the, the follow up to that was just a disgrace. You know, it was it was appalling. And um, I think with it, you know, some of the results I've, we've lost games this season where I thought we played really well. You know, the, like the Ipswich one was probably the best example. You know, Armstrong hitting both posts, Kakai missing from half a yard. And you, you'd look and you go, Do you know what? Them ones we actually could have, we could have taken, we at least deserved to draw there. I thought Southampton, we played really well. Bit better finishing, again, at least minimum of a point there. But a performance and a game like that, you cannot come out and say there's anything to take from it at all. I mean, that, that fourth goal, I, how, where do you even start with it? You know, so. Yeah, as Steve said, you, that that was a that was a shocker in every sense of the word. You know, it, it, as even with field missing and that, it just it was it was a joke, wasn't it? You can't can't defend that. For reference, Paul's trying to unmute himself. Just so... <laughs> still, still can't <laughs> keep going. Uh, okay, well, I'll I'll have a word. Well, I've never really been. The most positive about Ainsworth, like I'm not really gonna say that I have been his biggest lover, but uh I think the Blackburn game showed a lot that he's he's always come out and said that the players they can get out of these losing positions, they have to desire. But you can see when we get into these losing positions, we're the same team that we had under Critchley and everything. Oh, he's back. Pull you back. I am sorry about that. What happened was I'm a fucking idiot. Carry on. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I, I agree with Safa in the case that there have been some positive positive performances, like Southampton, Ipswich, as you said. But I've said it on other places that we're becoming almost a nearly team. And like I've looked back on Ainsworth's spell at Wickham and stuff, and he's always said we did well. We're going to get to this stage. We should have won. Should have. And it's just a case of if you look back on like this time last year, like further back, obviously. We were thinking, oh, if we lose the game, it's going to be disappointing. But now at Blackburn, you almost expect it. You go to the game, think, oh, we are going to lose. And it's a case of 
like I was laughing up with my dad and Cindy, just laughing constantly because if you don't if you don't laugh, you'll cry about it because it's just so disappointing. I think the thing is, it's I know we talked about this. The Leeds game I watched on um on the stream and um the sending off really was what everyone was talking about. But to me, there was much more worrying things than that sending off. Mm. Uh, you know, and then at Blackburn, you kind of look. Oh, we talked about this in the last podcast, and I looked at the, 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 the how we were set up. We couldn't seem to find players. I know the field was missing. It's it's just the the something wrong with the club, isn't it? Let's be honest. There's something wrong with that flipping football club because no one seems to be playing with a smile. No one seems to be positive. Andrew is trying all these morale boosting team things. There's something wrong. Yeah, uh, well, look at the article that was posted in the, on The Athletic yesterday, uh, mm. I think it was. I haven't actually read it. I've seen all the kind of takeaways from it, and a lot of people have been commenting about it. But the fact that they're quoting, you know, first-team sources, in inverted commas, and they're, <laughs> they're very, very negative, uh, you know, quotes like, we're looking for a miracle to stay up, recruitment's been diabolical. I mean, this is stuff we all we all sort of know. <laughs> we we're not we're we as fans are not blind to this. We've I mean I spoke, you know, last time I was on here, Paul, we spoke about this at length, but it's uh um that that for me is massive red flags that that something like that could be coming out that that clearly shows that there is um not a lot of harmony within that dressing room despite having had a whole summer to move some people on and to you know develop a bit more of the culture and i think you know as the guys have said before i think we did see uh evidence of positivity of buy-in of effort uh, i think that came a lot from steve cook and callback to some extent uh but uh, there there is clearly issues in that dressing room which still have not been resolved um it's which beyond the because we know let, let's let's pull that as it was. We know that the academy side of things and youth side of things brought down Warburton because they weren't happy with the fact that he wasn't playing players that have now left the club or still at the club and not playing. So he was proven right with that, but yet they're still here and he's gone. Yeah, 100%. And um, again... They'll say, well, McBeal, you know, we replaced Mark Warburton with McBeal and we were showing signs of promise. The thing is, it's all it's all very flimsy. I mean, even on the McBeal, I think we were punching above our weight. Um, and I don't know, it's that I have to say that that article that came out yesterday, that that again, like I said, it's just massive red flags. It's really depressing because you start to see that for all this talk about buy-in and culture and ethos and all the things we we've talked about before on this podcast it's it's a house of sand you know it's it's not that you're right there is something absolutely rotten there we could all speculate in terms of where it's coming from why it is the way it is um that we all have different villains that we want to point the finger at but yeah it's, it's very it's just very worrying i think at this point there's a, there's, there's a, a, a bit of me that's I'm hearing people on other um, fans talk things, everything going on with QPR, media, other websites, other podcasts, everything. And 
the one big elephant in the room is everyone's talking about if Edward Gold would get another new manager in and suddenly Willock turns back the clock and turns into this marvellous player that hasn't was he wasn't under Chris Lee for sure, hasn't been under the way last time he played Reezy well was on the bill and it's all everyone else's fault but Willock's fault. But then I also think about Richards not being able to, to get himself near the ground and the stuff stuff. Do you think we've just recruited wrong or is it something I don't know why are these players not wanting to play for a football club because that's fierce that they don't yeah I, I I think the thing I found really odd to kind of draw a con- contrast to the, the team we had last year that lot I looked at players just basically refusing to play literally refusing to play partway through the game in front of our very eyes um a lot of them have gone on to do the same thing at Birmingham you know with, with Richards and uh, you know it's the same old thing the bit I found odd personally is that it was games this season where we look really, really good. And I think that's what I find so confusing about all of it. You know, um, especially away from home, Cardiff, we we were fantastic until we had them. I think at the moment that uh, Sinclair and, and Smith went off that game, it just went to pot then. But up to then, we look, we look a really, really decent team. And then again, against Middlesbrough, we were fantastic up there. Really, really good. And it wasn't just grinding out a win. We actually looked like we knew what we were doing. It was the right, it was the right, you know, playing well. But I think the the hard thing is, I think those games, we were hitting our absolute maximum that you could get out of those players. And then I think, you'd probably argue at Southampton in Ipswich, we also hit the maximum and we lost. And now we've tailed off a little bit of form and now it, it's a dreadful, you know, the last few games in particular have just been so poor. I think the thing that is odd though, is they have shown that with the right, I don't know, mindset, I don't know what it is, but they can, they have shown this season, If you know, a couple of games we played really well, but as I said, in particular, the last four have been, Wow, scary, scary stuff. You know, the, that that lot, three losses in a week before the international break, every game was was awful. Um, it's tough, isn't it? Because what do you change? You you know, last year we were saying we need some experienced heads in and around that that group. They're all too young and, and that. And then you bring in, you know, your cooks, your coal backs, your same kind of thing, isn't it? What do you change? George, I'm going to bring you in because I like you, George, but also you're young and, you're full of enthusiasm and uh, actually you're more miserable than me, actually. And I think that's, I, I feel for you, George. It's like, it's, your, your dad should have done this to you, mate. I, I feel I should report him. I, I, it's terrible. But what do you think about Willock? I might be wrong because I want Willock to work. I want him to be the player we know he can be. But is it is a change of manager going to help Willock and make us better? Because we're not going to get much money from that anyway, are we? Or is that get sealed? Well, we're all going to think it's the ideal situation, aren't we, though? If a new manager comes in, he's going to change, he's going to become the Willock he used to be. But what people are forgetting is he's out of contract in the summer. Realistically, he's not going to sign that. He's going to go on a free somewhere else. So why would he put himself out there to get better? And I've always thought that Willock's such a confidence player. Like you saw, as soon as Neil Banfield left with Bill, he was never the same player. That, that's why I feel that he's changed. And I think something that was utter ridiculous is Ainsworth pulling, pulling him out the lead, lead squad, I think it was, because he didn't have a good game against Coventry. You could say that about all the players, pretty much. Like I know people in the crowd, they're like, oh, Willett doesn't put in hard tackles and stuff. But when things are going right, he's never been that sort of player. He's never been the sort of player to put in big tackles and stuff. And just because Ainsworth's coming with this passion, ethos and stuff, they're automatically expecting him to be that 
player, but he just looks like a man low on confidence and not having anything to guide him, really. That's a fair point. I mean, I watched Paul Smith play for, but that sounds really patronising, but it's something we say in Northern Ireland, um, for, for Northern Ireland, and he was a different player because it's the win that he's trying to take a QPR. Now, you, you're going to think I'm mad, but I am anyway, so I don't care. Um, he had more room to the throw, the throw work. You know, at Windsor Park, he was able to go back and then launch it properly. And don't, I don't know why I'm looking at me like there's no audience, but never mind. Um, but don't tell anyone. There was players in the box as well, which I thought was a great plan. You know, get <laughs> players in, throw the ball in to our players. You know, freaking brilliant. Um, and he was deadly down the wing. He scored an absolutely outstanding goal that was ruled offside that wasn't offside. He scored another goal and set one up. So there's clearly... He looks much better without playing that wing back role because he's not a wing back in the month of Sundays. He's he needs that first two yards to get ahead of the, the defender and to get past him. And I think he's yeah, he's a wee bit the structure, Steve, help me out here. What what have we gone wrong with the structure of the team? Because there's me pegs, square holes, but it's just it's just unbalanced, isn't it? Well well I'll, before I get to that, just to build on what the guys had said. Uh, previously, I mean, I think oh, yeah. I think where we are, um, I think we're just a very low margin team under Ainsworth. It's like I mean, there's this big thing. If you look at when we uh, the difference in outcome where we score the first goal versus when we concede the first goal, it's huge. Uh, like it's way above the championship average, and it's it's that thing of we have a plan. If we go behind in a game, that's basically it. It seems to go to pop. Um, uh, yeah, I think we've started okay in most of the games we've played, probably apart from Leeds, uh, where they scored quite early. But as soon as a uh, team gets in front of us, we absolutely collapse. And, and that is on the manager. That is, uh, it's kind of linked to what you're asking me there about setup and all that kind of stuff. You know, that kind of thing is linked to the manager about what are the um, changes that the players need to adopt to kind of get back into a game. We don't seem to have any ability to get back into a game once we go behind. Just on Willock, um, George is absolutely right. Willock's out of contract, so what's his incentive? I mean, the incentive is always, I guess, he could play for a better club. He he's I can't believe he's going to be at the club um, beyond this season. It, it's, it's, it's unforeseeable, that. So... I do think a new manager would get more out of him. And if you if you said, well, okay, we need to get six months of good Chris Willock or okay Chris Willock, um, that will work for Chris Willock, I think, a change of manager. But whether it'll be beneficial for the whole team, I don't know. I don't know. But um, but I do think a change of manager would be good for Willock. Um in terms of the kind of setup, well, it's a it's a difficult one because you're right, he's got um Square pegs and round holes in, in in many cases. We've got issues with injuries, suspensions. It's a very thin squad. So, you know, he's got that kind of defence that he can put out there and say, well, look, I've I've got a really thin squad. I can't, I'm not a miracle worker. That's fair enough. But, you know, look at the formation on uh, a couple of Saturdays ago against Blackburn. It's just, it's just totally naive. In that, that setup is absolutely naive. The kind of 4-4-2 with a bit of a diamond. It's... It, you're just asking for kind of 
a bit more. And we're asking for a bit more than just hoofing the ball into the channel. Ilya's chair is being absolutely wasted mm. in this team. I feel really sorry for Ilya's chair. Um, one of the most creative players of the championship over the last couple of years. Absolutely wasted. Uh, just hoofing balls into the channel, waiting for Armstrong or Smith to kind of latch onto them. I mean, it just needs to be better. You know, we just need to be utilising these players Um more effectively. Uh, yeah, I've done a lot of talking there, so I'll let, I'll let the others chime in. But yeah, that's my thoughts. We're using this as a therapeutic... Um, well, that was like last time, Paul, wasn't it? <laughs> when I was after Watford, we had, to, we had to have the therapy session, but yeah. Basically, it's turned into a therapy session for the last... That's just basically dropped out of the uh, membership with one or two months where we were quite happy and doing things, but the rest of it's all been pretty old, oh, here we go again. Uh, FA Cup draws in a few months. That'd be fun. Um, Safa, the next question's the tricky one. No one's mentioned, apart from yourself, no one's mentioned Dykes, really, have we? We haven't really. We talked about Smith. We've talked about Willock. Um, the old pros, like, well, you know, you got um, Box, you got Kurt, Colbeck, you got all this going on. But we're not talking about Dykes. Why are we not talking about Dykes being our saviour? Yeah, do you know the um I, I, in, earlier on in the season, Ainsworth said, and I've completely agreed with it. With Dykes, he's a different player for Scotland. We all know that, but they do play completely to his strengths. Mm-hmm. And that that goal against Swansea, what a header! What a header that was! Um, but how many more? I can't think of any more chances since then that we give him that kind of delivery. And you know, I love. I think. Smith, Paul Smith has been outstanding this season, even playing in a completely new role at right wing back. He still looks like our biggest threat most of the time when we played anyway. But I, he doesn't look to me from what I remember him before. I always thought he looked better from the coming off the left. We spoke about this in pre-season. Um, I know he can play right, but he's not he's not a winger in the sense of one that's going to get down and swing, you know, perfect crosses in. He he to me always looks better, typically like he did at Middlesbrough where he actually comes into the box and drills it in low, causes havoc. But I don't think he's going to give the kind of service like that kind of Swansea goal for Dykes. He did it again last year at West Brom, didn't he? It was a similar kind of thing from from chair on the other side. But it, it just never gets that kind of service, does he? It doesn't. So I know we've tried doing it where we, we've kind of dropped him into a really odd kind of deeper kind of role. We did that at Leeds, which it didn't really work um but then earlier on in the season he did that against Cardiff and he looked really good so it's it's very hard I think it's just a very very imbalanced squad and you know at the moment you don't I don't like picking individuals out but Kakai is just getting eaten alive you know and I understand as much as we can go why you know Smith would be better forward I think if you if you paid personally if you put Smith in an attacking role he's going to get absolutely annihilated out there at right back so, you know, I think a lot of the problems, I don't think, I think the manager can see it. You know, we've got a right back that struggles. I think he's actually a decent squad player, Kakai, but you can't, you can't start him week in, week out. He's, you know, it's terrible for that. You know, he's just getting, he's getting killed. So, you know, you've tried to address that by bringing the right back in. I think everyone tells, or everyone I've seen online says he's a really good player. If we can get him up and running. You know, centre midfield, Dizel has been much better this season. But again, you can't play him in a two. So we've tried to get Cole back and then he gets himself sent off in three games. All of these things we have tried to address, but annoyingly, we've not been able to get that 
full 11 on the pitch and and, and firing but said you need results quick don't we no there's no time George well the next question for you I like this question I think because it is very therapeutic we've talked about players we've talked about Ingrid do we even go and mention the name Bill because I've seen that some people want him back personally I wouldn't that's me I think you've got to have a certain pride about the club I mean People would say, oh, well, you know, you would top the league under him and everything else. But, you know, let's face it, he, he don't. I mean, the thing that I can't forgive him for is while he was our manager, he went off to watch Rangers play Aberdeen when Rangers already had a manager. And he should have been focused on QPR, in my opinion, and then just walked off. Um, but that's me. You know, I'm happily proved wrong. Um, so you've got Bill out of work. You've got Peter Eustace out of work. You've got... Um, Right, was sacked yesterday by Millwall. Well, is there, is there options out there, George? Oh, there's always options out there. And I don't believe people who come and say to me, who'd want to take on this job? Look at the squad they've been given. We're a team in London with big, no, more, no matter what people say, a history. And any manager would want it to be used because they'd be saving the club in the sense that we're all predicted for relegation. Well, your manager shouldn't be telling you that. But in terms of getting in managers, Bill, you could kind of say it's a 50-50. Like, in one sense, you can say, oh, you'd never want him back. Uh, snaked us, obviously. Annoying, as you said, went and watched that Rangers game. But on the other hand, if anything, he was the one who kind of caused this downward spiral from him leaving. Is he the only one who could come back and save it? Because he knows how to get the best out of some of the players in the squad. And you could say that, use an example similar to this, Neil Critchley, he left Blackpool to go manage, to go be assistant manager of Aston Villa. Everyone at Blackpool hated him. He comes back and he's now manager of the month at Blackpool. So I guess you could say, I don't know, and I would much prefer bringing in a manager who can implement his own style because I'm much of someone who likes passing rather than this passion because I believe passion can only get you so far and I was never a fan of Ainsworth's appointment because of the legacy he had at the club I guess you always knew it weren't going to go too well you always wanted it to be working but I don't know I just think a change is needed and to be honest I'm shocked after Blackburn that he hasn't gone like you didn't hear anything from the club for a good week and a half I've never seen Twitter so quiet from the club so make us out of you as you will well they, they put out a thing with the the, the um new kit to for the 40th anniversary which is the way kit the names and the players in the back and the box I think can I, can I just say on Beal as well Paul um the things that led Mick Beale to be sniffing around other clubs like Stoke, Wolves, whatever, before he actually left, the things that caused him after joining us to do that haven't changed. Okay, maybe Les Ferdinand has gone fine, okay. But the, the, the problems at the club, which we all know what the problems of the club are, they they haven't meaningfully changed. And there isn't... Yeah. <laughs> I doubt he would stick around for much longer if someone else then came in for him, even if he did come back. That 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 would be my thing about him. Like, whether he'd be welcome or not is another question. Clearly, some people are open to it, others aren't. But I just don't buy that those issues have gone away. 
So why would he come back? I tell you, Steve, if he came back, if if he didn't absolutely hit the ground running, there the knives are out for him. Uh, exactly. No, I don't think personally. I, I've obviously I, I want QPR to do well, but if there's one manager I do not want to see succeed here, it would be him. I, I could not. I, I, you know the funny thing with him as well, and I, I fully accept. You know there was games under him we were absolutely unbelievable. That Watford game away. I think the first when we played Bristol City away was absolutely fantastic. And we were blowing teams. The reason we weren't scoring any goals at the loft then, because the game was dead by half time. We'd finished them off, weren't we? We were 3 0 up and cruising for most of it under him. So it was great. But that last few games under him was abysmal, you know. And he's gone up to Rangers where he's in a two horse race and their fans, you know, God, for our, our Twitter was bad. They really, really not happy with him in terms of the style of football and what he's actually done. So I think he thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread. But he's very, very mixed bag with him. There's absolutely no, you know, no promise at all he would come back and do anything at QPR. I think he'd be a massive gamble. I really do. I think that there's, um, and then as you said, if he does do well, you know that character. He's off in the first sniff he gets of anything else anyway. I think he'd be a very risky and uh, controversial appointment, personally. Yeah, and, and on the back of what we've just, you know, what we've been going through over the last several months, that's the last thing they need is a risk. Yeah, mm. we all we all know who the who the top candidate would be if Ainsworth left, uh, and it's not going to be him. It's not going to be someone that carries risk going forward. So, uh, Neil Warnock, don't you? I am talking about Neil Warnock. Yeah. I just think it. I, I think I don't even know if they're going to move on from Ainsworth. I, in all honesty, I think, like George said, if he was, goodness, if you look at that, and he's, if you look at that game against Blackburn and he's not going, then yeah, okay. But I, so I don't actually think he's going to go for some time. But uh, but if he did, then they can't be giving another manager. It's all right saying you know John Eustace or you know on social media John Eustace or Gary Rout or whatever. They can't get into a position where they're going to give another manager at this stage a three, four-year contract or whatever. It, it, it has to be short-term this season. That's all that matters. And then in the summer, depending on where we are, what league we're in, then you then you start working this out for the long term. Uh, it's the only appointment for me that works um, if they move the manager on, the current manager, which I don't think they will just yet. Well, yeah, on the back on the back of that, I just think as you, it's ridiculous that in my opinion, that he's still in a job. Like, if you think about it, the excuses that he had at the back end of last year was he didn't have the squad for him, he didn't have the players who would fight. And you could say that that this season, his recruitment, although on paper looks good, he's been given two-year contracts to Colback and Cook, who in that article, as you said, Steve, have come out and said they'll be lucky to be fit for the whole season, which we all knew because it's QPI and it's an injury crisis club, like always happens. But, and then you look at the squad, like 30, I would say the 12, 13 players, the starters, nowhere near relegation. But then you look past that and you think Stephen Duke McKenna starting against Blackburn, absolutely ridiculous. Someone who... Like, didn't even play for Leighton Orient, someone whose last loan was Torquay. And you think about it, in some ways, Ainsworth's deluded in his views of these players. Because if you think about it, last season, it was the Aaron Drew one. He was saying, oh, yeah, best thing coming through, coming through, when he was on loan at Chelmsford. And where is he now? Like, no one knows where he is. I just think it's a 
as Steve once again said, it's a problem that's come from Bill. Like, why do you want to come back when the, so I'd say, crap of the team that he saw? Remember that Crawley friendly when we like conceded three in the second half because all of them came on? I just think it's a problem of the squad and the academy, and it's just, yeah, I don't know. George, there's always been a case of the, I mean, it's, it, 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 it hit that expression, take off your blue and white hoop glasses, whatever that means. But if I was looking at this from the outside, I would be wondering why the youth team is telling the first team what to do, which has been the case for that. People run the, the youth setup have been sort of in control of the first team. It's always been this thing of we're going to bring players through, we're going to bring players through. But the reality is a lot of them haven't been good enough. I mean, you know, Hecker Landon, four-year contract, comes in, everyone could see that there was, there was nothing there and every new manager had to play him by the looks of it because play, every new manager played him. And I, I would love to go and down the dugout and say, listen, mate, you're wasting time because that Flickwood match, I've never seen a player and I've I've seen Gus Season make a debut for QPR. I have seen loads of absolute sheer shade, but that is the worst professional performance I've seen where a, a lad was on the way from the ball. That was just crazy. And I can't believe I got used to his name wrong. So, of course, it was John Lutpey. I'm thinking of the old Everton player, I think, or something like that. Anyway, anyway um, but like, it's just, by the way, I think Bill might be the Millwall. Just just thinking, Eustace uh, and Bill would probably end up with Millwall. Um, and it's just, I just think that, you know, the whole structure of this, you know, you're bringing down um, Wolverton because he wasn't playing new team players, as I keep saying, that weren't good enough. But why isn't the youth team playing the same as the first team? And not, you know, it's, nothing seems to be. It's all out of filter, isn't it? It's all kind of like you know, they should all be pulling together and trying to sort of things out. It's yeah, as I as I go on, George, there's something wrong with the club. But I think we need to get it sorted out. And I'm just wondering, you, you know, if if we then stack a manager and like Steve rightly says, bring in someone maybe as a temporary role because can't keep handing these contracts out. Then come the summer, we just absolutely not the blank canvas. Is that on the card, you think, George? Yeah, you took well, real quick, you touched on the academy not being a success, but that's because if you look at it, if you come full through the QPR Academy from like the age of nine, you know you're not going to be that great because you would have been picked up by now by a bigger club. That's just how these academy systems work. Like, if you look, like, name me a player who's come through the QPR Academy and has been incredible success, been at the club since 9, 10, and has come through and has been incredible recently. What do you mean, actually playing for us? or Yeah, actually playing for us. The, the obvious, yeah, I mean, the obvious answer is your man that went on to Man City and Liverpool and now playing for the dark side. Um, yeah, but you, that, that's one, exa- like one example, and the youth team's supposed to be a success. This is... This is my point. And the fact of you saying the youth team should mirror the first team, if your first team's playing knock-it-long style to Sinclair Armstrong at top, who's never been really a hold-up player, you can't really replicate that in the youth teams. And if you're a youth player, you're not going to want to play that style because it's not going to better you as a footballer. Well, to be fair, the youth team, I think, have been getting absolutely dicked recently. I think they've let in some like 38 goals. Mm. Yeah, it's it's, 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 it doesn't seem to work in anywhere. Um, the only positive team seems to be the, the women's team where people are happy to go along and, and just get rid of all the emotion of it all and, and get into that because the vibe seems to be quite good. I don't know, it's, it's a worry. It's I just, and maybe I'm being too harsh on the academy lads and, and the and development lads, I don't know, but it's just like 
setting the podcast up that, the other week, I was talking to a mate of mine who's a Bristol City fan, was talking about Dickie. He couldn't believe it that this, and we let him go for the money we paid for him. They're supposed to be bringing players in, making them better, and selling them. We're either selling them for what we've got them for or paying them off. The whole structure, Steve, is built on bullshit. Let's, let's call it what it is, because we're not making anywhere near enough money to make this system and, and praise it and say it's working. It's clearly not. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, it's, it's embarrassing when you look at how we've tried to monetize players. I mean, it's like it's like the article stated. The recruitment is just not good enough. I mean, it's nowhere near good enough. Uh, it's It was supposed to be the foundation of how this club was going to wash its own face uh, was the strategy of of developing lower lower league players or, or youth players. Uh, we just, you know, we've got issues with the academy because, you know, as it's been said before, it's a cat two academy, so it struggles to hold on to good players. Okay, so they should, <laughs> and it's easy to say, you know, sitting here, oh, they should have, you know, just binned it off and created a B team like Brentford did. But they probably should have done. <laughs> I mean, I mean, how how is it that Brentford could work that out, and we haven't worked that out? It's uh, now I know Brentford scouting. I hate referring to Brentford all the time, by the way. But it's like the their scouting is clearly at another level uh, to most teams, to be fair. But we're not. It's it's a real like problem that we just cannot seem to recruit players. What we do recruit. Uh, Good players. Rob Dickey was a good player to bring in. Uh, you know, we can't monetize them. That that's a real that's a massive millstone around the neck of the club. And until it gets sorted out, we're not gonna go anywhere. You know, it's it's people are very big on saying, Oh, well, you know, we just have to get through this season, and the FFP headroom is a bit easier next year, and all the rest of it, which which is true. But we're just gonna repeat the same mistakes. That that there's nothing there is just literally nothing which is preventing us from making the same mistakes at the moment because it is it's very uh concerning that no one seems to be held accountable for these kind of uh issues uh, and that's again another big problem for the football club is accountability it's it's come on guys we really are not performing uh as we need to be where is the accountability so yeah it's a big problem paul there, there's there's just huge huge issues going on there I mean we've talked about them so many times but yeah it's a great shame I think the other thing as well with this that that, um, I've been really confused by is Ainsworth's come in under a director of football role with with Les Ferdinand so assuming he's come in to say right you're the coach you build that you know and they work together or whatever I I, still to this day I don't understand what our, our recruitment strategy is but moving on from that Ferdinand goes and then we're told through, you know, and like West London sport, for example, that not generally bang on the money in terms of, you know, different things that have come out from the club. And they say, you know, we're looking at appointing a director of football, you know, relatively soon. Um, nothing, you know. So then we have a summer window where Ainsworth, I assume, is the one that's picked the players with Lee Hoos, you know. And then so you've, you've kind of built and again, for a club in opposition, you cannot get them wrong. You cannot get these wrong. So you've got bought a manager in to be a coach, and then you said, right, Ferdinand's gone right now. You do the you do the transfers as well. You do that. We're told that you know the, the and then at the fans forum, you know, they said that Richard Riley is the one that's heading up the you know the new director of football. I mean, how long are we going to wait? 
you know and then when you start looking at things like the youth and you know the contracts run out who's driving that ship who's doing it no one knows you, you know John, you could argue that's why Ainsworth hasn't gone yet because there's no one to get rid of him. Yeah. Like Les yeah. used to be the people get used to be the person who used to get rid of the managers, but you got Amit, he won't do it. He loves Ainsworth, always always loves Ainsworth, and he's too nice to do it. You got Ruben, who always seems busy, and you got Lee Hoos, who's never been that sort of person. He's always been the finances. So and I guess you could say maybe they're waiting for a director of football to bring in their own manager. But the managers who we've brought in recently have always been told that they need to work by this, this, this. And they haven't been given any free roam. That's why Warburton was binned off, because he wanted, as Steve said, to implement this B-team style that he brought in at Brentford. Like, that's what I mean. It's just champ, yeah. It is funny though, because we, we've said for as long as as long as we've been doing this about how the plan seems to change every five minutes mm. in terms of what they're doing. And I, I was just looking at it now. I, I couldn't, it really stuck out to me. Um Les Ferdinand did a thing on the BBC, it's still there. Um, if you go on BBC under QPR, and he was quoted as saying if there was one thing he could have changed about his role, and this is him quoting, it would have been having the plan and sticking to the plan rather than changing the plan. And that is on the BBC right now that he said that about, you know, his role at QPR, which I thought it's unbelievable that as supporters, we've said it feels like it changes every five minutes. Why do we do that? And then your ex-director of football that presided over us for, what, best part of a decade says the one thing you would have changed would have been sticking to the plan. I mean, it is unbelievable. It really is. Sorry, sorry, just quickly. Like you said, uh, Saf, earlier, um, this director of football that we're apparently spending money on very uh, expensive consultants to tell us who it should be. How long is this process taking? Mm. Uh, where's the communication? This is a vital Well, maybe it's not a vital role. I don't know. There's people who don't believe that a director of football is needed. I don't know. But it's. Uh, but we were told for many years it was a vital role. We're dragging our heels on it. It appears from the outside that we're dragging our heels on it. And I think I think uh, George was right. This is, again, why Ainsworth... I, I don't think Ainsworth, unless things really get toxic, and I, and I know it's bad, I don't think they're actually toxic at the moment, but I think he'll still be there for some time because of this control over the kind of uh, sort of playing... Uh, playing uh, uh, recruitment and all of this kind of stuff, the playing style and all this kind of stuff, uh, the academy relationship, etc. But I, I tell you guys, it's, uh, you look at all the clubs, you look at clubs over the last decades who go down the pan and fall through the leagues and all that, it boils down to one thing and that is leadership. It's true of any organisation on this planet. Every uh, organization is a reflection of its leadership and that's all i'll say on that 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 is where it boils down to ultimately whether yeah we can talk about Ainsworth, we can talk about neil warnock and players and all the rest of it it's leadership it, it, it just is and that's the elephant in the room really the answer to the qpr is and i could be speaking and be completely out of order forgive me if i am is when things are going and hitting the shack, the ship's hitting the fan. Still a QPR, all fierce at it. Still a Holloway, still a Warner, still an Ainsworth. So anyone at it to, to try and deflect. What worries me in this conversation we've had, and I've just 
I don't know why I have well, actually I do because it's thick. But um why I've never thought about it before properly is that the consultancy thing is a joke. You're a professional football club. Lee Hughes has worked at he's worked at Burnley. he's he's been around the block, he knows the stuff. You you're supposed to forward. You should not be going to a consultancy. They say, right, we've done the figures, we've done the analyst thing and this here, and your man is great. We'll go for him. You should know and have an insight into the game. People in the game talk, and you would think they would have an idea of who they want, of who is out there, and who they can work with, if that's what the plan is, to have this, if this role is so important, then to be this rudderless without one is... It's, it's ridiculous. I don't. I don't understand. I think, you know what? It's, I've said it for weeks. I mean, I, I'm not picking anyone in particular. Like, but you know, I'm at playing the golf on that Blackburn game. Summed it up. It, it just seemed like I'm a chairman, but I'm not a chairman. Um, Ruben obviously cares about the club because he's paying two million quid a month to keep it going. There's no question about that. But if I was him, I would want accountability from the bottom of that club to the top. And why I'm still spending two million pounds. We're buying players and we're just... Let's face it, if we hadn't got the Aussie money in, our transfer record since losing our status in the Premiership would be horrendous. We'd be so minus, it's unbelievable. Whereas the Aussie money probably just stopped that embarrassment. And I would be wanting people to be accountable for that saying, right, lads, this is enough's enough. You know, we went to... And they, there's two things that bug me at QPR and then I'm going to talk and then I'm going to hand the pod back to the people who need to run it not me I'm just a little I'm just having a whinge here so forgive me guys right the flag behind the goal they have is blue and it has a badge it should be blue on my hoops simple as that all our flags should be blue on my hoops that's it it's fine plain blue with the QPR badge yeah it looks alright should be blue on my small whinge but a whinge nonetheless Attention to detail, Rob. Second point is this whole thing about the board and the structure of it and getting recruitment in. And Amit saying, oh, yeah, I, I, I wore a sheepskin coat because that's what I'll do because then the people will see me, but I'm here. And then you see him at the golf and stuff. And, and we're at the fans' forum and we're, we're going through the Twitter fans' forum. I wasn't at the fans' forum. I get accused of being at the fans' forum, but I never am. That was it. So we went to that meeting. Oh, God, the secret meetings we go to Safa, I tell you what. Hey, in the bunker with the rest of them. So anyway, I found a whole lot of people, and I thought I'll turn up for once. Uh, so people could just abuse me on, on Twitter and everywhere else for, for being special. And they had pictures of all the youth players that have, you know, gone into the squad. It's like Sadipa was there, Nekalainen, etc., etc., etc. Now, if I'm a, a young player at QPR, I'm going to think, where's he now? He's at the club. Where's he now? Oh, yeah, he's at a club. No, you have your Jerry Francis, you have your Paul Goddard, you have your Alan McDonald, you have your Clive Allen, you have all these players, your Jerry Francis. And if they say, who are they? They say, give it a history book, read about your freaking football club. You don't just put people up who have come from the academy, made an appearance in the first team, and then buggered off to obscurity. But that, that to me, you know what I mean, like, I saw that, didn't we? No, it's very true. It's, very, it's a really, really fair point. It's true. And I sort of thought, that's not going to inspire me. And if the kids don't know who these people are, we had the captain of Northern Ireland, we had the captain of England playing for a football club. This, I just, that annoyed me. And it's, it, I know both of them ran support in this, but I'm pleased and thank you for letting me have this therapy session. George, 
what the hell do we do if we lose Saturday? Or will we win Saturday? There's a thought. Well, I'm, I'm never going into games thinking we're winning because I always do and I always get pleasantly depressed after. But uh, I feel I I agree with the fact of even if we do lose on Saturday, Ainsworth won't go because I believe that why on earth would you have let this international break go when you could have got rid of him at the start of it? Which uh, which makes me think, is he been given that five-game period until the next international break? Which by then we could be what nine, ten points adrift. Because if you think about it, the teams that we got aren't exactly easy, like no game's easy in the championship. But I don't know. I think if we lose against Huddersfield, it won't exactly be a shock for us because we're obviously predicting losses constantly at the moment. It's just I don't know. I don't I want Ainsworth to go because it would be the best for the club. And I think it would just benefit us, but I just ultimately don't think he will. Steve. So, uh, I mean, it's interesting looking at Huddersfield because, so expect an attritional game because just looking at the numbers, they are the most uh, long ball team, if you like, in the division. We're the, we're the third most long ball team in the division. So, there's no. something going up there to think about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, it's hard to read Huddersfield because they've just got a new manager. Uh, I watched their first game under Moore against Coventry and they uh, they showed quite a bit of resilience. I thought they weren't too bad, actually. Uh, and they got an equaliser right at the end. But uh, uh, like, like I say, we're a low-margin team. If we get the first goal, don't rule out a win because, you know, that's kind of what the playbook is. Uh, if we go behind, shut up. You might as well leave if you're going up to the game. You know it's, uh, but um, I don't know. They're not particularly good. I could, I could, I could see us getting something, but I don't think. Like I said, I put it on Twitter before Blackburn. This whole thing about oh, one game to save Ainsworth or it's a six points. It, it if we win on uh, Saturday, everything we've discussed doesn't just change overnight. It's you know it's not about one game here, one game there. It's consistent over the time Ainsworth has been here, where it's just not a good style. It's uh, oh, the numbers bear this out. The numbers are totally different to where they were in terms of style, uh, in terms of direct passes, uh, long balls, uh, pass percentages, whatever you, metric you want to use. They're night and day compared to where we were on the Warburton and Beal, and we're not getting the results either. To, to back that up consistently at all. Uh, so it's not just one game. It's not just if we win, great, uh, everything's all right again. I, uh, for what it's worth, I think we have every chance of getting something because I don't think they're very good, but it, we'll see. Uh, I'm more worried, actually, I know Huddersfield's next, but I'm more worried about Leicester, uh, actually, in a week or so's time because that's the next home game. The home form is awful. Uh if we could get a real a serious going over from Leicester, like I'm talking re- record-breaking bad, and that's the back. Sorry, we're talking in Newcastle a few seasons back when they oh, possibly worse, yeah, possibly worse than that. That's the game I'm actually looking at. That because that for me is the game where we say, okay, can we handle ourselves in this division? Can we, uh, you know, for my talk about don't rule. Don't read too much into one game. It's uh, that's the game I 
I'm looking at next. Uh, well, then again, it'd be so huh? You know, you know, Rangers, you never know what they're going to do, but, you know, liable to lose it, I just feel lose it West Brom and then go and tank. No, we're not going to. I'll take that wager, Paul, if you really want. But I realised halfway through that sentence I was talking shit. Well, you, listen, you don't know. I just, you know what? I just hate it because I really, I like Ainsworth. I like the fact that he's different. He's not a tracksuit manager and he's a bit different. I know he even takes a piss out of his shoes and his dress sense and his rock and roll. I don't, that doesn't bother me. You know, that's, I mean, Warnock was eccentric beyond eccentricism. He was just such a different, different kettle of fish, really. But he was, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm gutted for him. I'm gutted we keep killing legends like Les and Jerry and, and Ainsworth and, oh, I don't know. I just feel sad for itself. I just, I'm sick of this roundabout of, of, of killing legends of doom and just the supporters coming home looking pretty sad every game. It's not good for your mental health. This, let's be honest. Isn't it? You're supposed to enjoy yourself at football. I know. My counsellor says it's not head away. but we'll see. I, I think the hard thing, though, and I do agree, I'm, I'm like you, I probably do have a, uh, with Ainsworth, a, truthfully, like blue and white tinted specs a little bit because I'm so desperate for him to do well. I don't want to see him fail. I definitely don't want to see him get sacked. But you do come to a point, I personally think um, everything Steve says right, but I do think he's a bit closer to to going. I think if we if we perform poorly at Huddersfield, I'm not fan, don't fancy our chances at West Brom away midweek, and then Leicester coming in as well. That is it's a massive week for him. I really really think it is. I think if you if you go through like we had before the international break, was it three or four losses in a row? If if we don't get something from, I mean, I think Huddersfield he's going to be under major pressure if we don't get something there. But if if you, it's quite feasible we go the next three games without getting a point. And I think if that happens, especially culminating with whatever could happen at Leicester, I think that's it. I I really do. So I I think he could, I, I think he's quite close myself. But that's only my opinion. I don't think he's got that long left. I think he needs results immediately. I really do. George, I'm going to change tack a wee bit here, um, just a little bit, because we've, we've, we've gone through this one. Did you see, or did anyone see, the Fernandez debacle? <laughs> the Twitter thing, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. The massaging during the meeting call. Yeah, Look at red flags. Oh. I know. I worry. I worry for the man. I really do. That that, that, that scared me. What did, what did Steve Saffa? Did you hear that conversation? Because you, you disappeared. I don't know if you were there. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Um. About Fernandez and his. Yeah. <laughs> that was quite disturbing, to be honest. I don't know. That was uh. Yeah. Not 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 the nicest sight, was it? That to be honest. It was as bad as when he was DJing with his top off. But this is more worrying because DJing, you're like, yeah, you put a bit too much drink. You're having a bit of a laugh. That worried me, Steve. I think, God, no, no, no wonder we brought so many players that were crap. Well, I mean, it just goes back to my point again. It's leadership. You know, every football club is is a reflection of its leadership. And, uh, yeah, I saw that. And look, each to their own, but it's not something I'd do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's I'd, I'd get quite frustrated when I think about the ownership. Like you said, Paul, about Abbott being at the golf and that is it's just such a bad look, you know, to be at the golf and talking about how wonderful Kevin Peterson is when 
the team you're chairman of uh, is being routed at home and you've got your supporters up in arms. It is not a good look. And it just all feeds into the same thing with me. It's it's kind of, yeah, I'll, I'll be very blunt. I think I think we need a lot of changes at that club. I think we need a lot at every level <laughs> because what's been happening just isn't yielding anything. And we're in real danger if we don't st- start getting our house in order. Might not mean survival this year, might mean going down to League One, but if we don't start getting our house in order, we're, we are in big, big, big trouble uh, in the long run. So, yeah. I feel really bad for everything on here. I'm really quite negative, because, but it's uh, generally, I've, I've been optimistic many times under the Warburton years and even under Beal, but it's, uh, yeah, it's very difficult this period. Very it's tough. interesting you say about culture, Steve, because. I remember thinking last year, do you remember when we had, um, I think it was a Stoke game and Ferdinand was doing a paid for dinner in Hong Kong or something like that. I can't remember what it was. And I, I remember thinking, how on earth are the owners allowing that to, you know, I'm, I'm, he's obviously got permission to go. I'm thinking, how on earth are they allowing our director of football for what was at that point, probably the most critical game of the season to make sure we stayed up. And he's doing a dinner event in on the other side of the world. Yeah, it was unbelievable, you know. Yeah, they don't they don't tend to read the room very well, those guys. Uh you could just about forgive that if things were going well. But yeah, they wouldn't be the only football club owners to not read the room, but I mean, really, it's it's not good. Uh it's it's genuinely quite disturbing, uh, some of the stuff that's going on because it points to a bit of an absence of care and attention, uh, which which is a real worry uh, in the long run. Do you agree, George? In some ways, I'm more of a, what's it called, where I think it's to be a bit foolish to blame the current situation fully on owners when I fully believe that Amit and Ruben care fully about the club. And I think we all know that they wouldn't put in that much money if that weren't the case. It's just both of them, yeah, have never been footballing. They don't. Before they joined, they didn't know much about football. They know nothing about football. So how are they meant to make the decision? So you could go off current affairs. It's all Ainsworth making the transfer decisions and stuff. And you could say that isn't going too well. But in terms of the whole Les Ferdinand Hong Kong thing, that was ridiculous, like, obviously. And then Fernandez, obviously, he's gone now, so it don't exactly matter. But I think it's a bit harsh for the fans to constantly pick up on the owners being elsewhere because... I was at the fans forum and he said he tries to get to every game that he can. And that's not that he's a he's a very busy man. And like I, I I don't know. You can see with that Richard was it Richard Riley, the American one coming in. Maybe there maybe a bit has changed towards that, maybe potential American owners, but we can't we can't predict anything. I think I think it's a fair point in some respects, but I'm old fashioned. You know, I, I want me to make a game and want to see what's going on. But also, if I was losing that amount of money, I would want to know why I'm losing that amount of money every month and whether I've got other businesses and whether I've got things going on. I, you know, because let's be honest, people get involved in football because they want to be loved. Good businessmen don't make good football people. It's, 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 it's or you can, maybe, I don't know. But it doesn't seem to work that way. Football is completely different from every other business that you, you could ever be involved in. It, it, your heartstrings. You've got people calling you a wanker in the stands. You've got people saying you're a god if you win the league. 
you know, the, the highs and lows must be surreal. Um, like, and it's difficult. I remember when Philanthropist first came, he was going around all the pubs, meeting people and talking to people and wanting to be loved and everything. And it was great. It was fantastic because before that, we didn't really have that. You know, we had the madness of Palatini and then we had went up and everything else. And we didn't really know what the club was going to do one week or the next. It was either going to be Buster Glory. Um, so these come in, we think we'll get stability. We sign Joey Barton, we do this, we do that. And you can kind of say, oh, God, they're going to go down this road of of getting every, everything off the premiership and playing championship manager 10 years too late. Um, and they've been around a long time. I mean, Ahmed's been involved with QPR since 2006, 2007, I think. That's a long time. And he shouldn't know something about the culture of the club by then. And I, I don't doubt for one minute he's an absolutely decent human being and a lovely fella. I've only met him once from a distance and I've never talked to him, just listened to him. And he's a nice fella. I think Ruben's a nice fella. There's nothing wrong with Ruben. He's gone through a grieving process for his father. So, I, you know, that's clearly some things are more important than football. Um, Lee Hughes always talks about finances and people will love him or hate him. But, you know, when he first came, he did sort a lot of things. I assume as Les did. But it just, I do believe it needs strong leadership. It needs someone to get everyone in the room together and say, what the fuck is going on? We are, we are, League walking into oblivion. And if we're not careful, oblivion's going to come via League One, which we ain't going to get out of anytime soon. And then we'll be losing £6 million a month. No one's going to subsidise that. And then the vultures will be circling. And then you... And the American guy, I'm kind of not really understanding why he would go to fans form and stand in the back of the room. They said he was... Um, uh, they, they, did, they did bring this up. I think they, they kind of it's funny when you're talking about strong leadership. I think they said he was a bit uh, shy, like not wanting to just jump right to the beginning to to begin. Which I know, yeah, context. Yeah. This conversation isn't the best, is it? But I think he wanted to. They said that he's been sitting at different parts of the ground and and trying to get a feel for the the place and speaking to people in that way. But um, yeah, they they perhaps next year they said he might go go up and say a bit more. Yeah, he could do he could do a lot worse than actually give an interview. Be, be not whether he's shy or not. He's a wealthy person. He he's made his money somehow. So, and you don't make money like that by being a wallflower. Uh, and it's um, just be nice just to hear from them. Uh, is it him especially, given that he's invested this money over the last uh, couple of years or so, how long it is? Um, you know. Be nice rather than Steve Cook interviews on Twitter yesterday, <laughs> which I don't know if anyone saw that, but didn't fill me with masses of confidence. But you know. Steve, football clubs don't like the food. I mean, and I think this is something we've, we've, we've we love with Fernandez, who upset a lot of people, including the council, which made it difficult for a lot of things to get done. He might have been well intentioned to do that, who knows? But yeah, and it, Ruben seems to be going down a different route of just, I'm in the background, I'm around, I know what's going on, I really do know what's going on, honestly, I know what's going on, that's fine. And then Amit is like a chairman who, I'm not going to own the club, we're not going to buy the club, I don't know how much money he puts in, no one does, he does, and that's fine, he might put in loads, he might not put, but he's kind of like, he does like his celebrity golf days, and that's fine, but we're in a crisis, and I'll forgive anything, but You've got to be hands-on. It's every person at the moment, to my, in my, as a fan, to the pump. Everyone get round this club. Everyone get their fingers out of their, their ears and everything else and listen and look 
and see what's going on. And then you can maybe have a grasp of how we can fix it. Because if you're allowing other people to tell you secondhand, they're only going to tell you what they want you to know. You've got to see it. I'm sure Joan Gregory wouldn't have took secondhand advice of everyone else. Different day, you know, a longer generation, and he was a very different chairman. I don't know. It's it's all very, very, very strange. And the new guy, I I just took this sort of, because I want, listen, we want QPR to succeed. I don't want failure on anyone's CV connected to this football club, because it means we've failed again. And I'm sick of QPR failing. You know, I remember when we got the money and everyone was waving £20 notes and saying, we'll never pay you again. I was cringing, going, please don't do that. That was done to us when we got relegated. I don't like it. Um, just be, be good with it, be decent with it, and go forward with it. We got the money and we didn't go, we went forward and then we threw ourselves backwards again. But I do fear that, and I'm talking a lot in this podcast, I apologize. League One terrifies me because I don't think we've got the mindset, structure, and the belief to get out of it. And if clubs like Sunderland, Sheffield United, and a lot of other Sheffield Wednesday are stuck there for years, then God knows it could be a graveyard for us for a number of years. So that worries me. So anyone, I know people say, Get really get it rebuild. It terrifies me. Maybe I'm wrong. It's it's just and thanks again for letting me ramp. I just, I'm actually quite upset by the whole thing that like we all are. It it means so much to us and maybe that's my problem, I think, and it does mean a lot to the owners as well. Maybe I'm expecting too much. Maybe George is quite right in saying that they obviously curb to spend this money, but I just think maybe curl a little bit more, Steve. Am I is that stupid? No, I think I think well, yeah, I mean I, I think like like I said, they it's about reading the room. It's about understanding where in a we're in a difficult moment at the football club. Uh, this feels like a bit of a precipice season. You know, if we survive, we could you know the foundations could be there to push on a bit, which would be which would be good. But it's like we said, the club structurally, um, procedurally, responsibility, accountability, all this kind of stuff doesn't feel like it's set up for the long term. And uh, it's whether we stay up or go down, it's like, you know, okay, uh, we'll still we'll still all be turning up to Loftus Road and all the rest of it. But it doesn't really matter about what league we're playing. And if we're not set up to succeed in the long run, then it's going to be difficult to, uh, yeah, it's going to be difficult over the next few years. So that has to change, I think. And they have to understand that. I think you're right now. Listen, it's come to that point of the evening a deep breath we've reflected a lot we need to have our feet on the ground and do predictions Lord above we're going to do two games two games deep breath George deep breath hit me with it alright so I think we lose narrowly to Huddersfield one or two nil I don't see a scoring away at Huddersfield and I think we'll pick up a draw against West Brom, but a nil-nil or one-all, and then that will set us up perfectly for the Leicester home game, which obviously Steve and I aren't exactly looking forward to most. Fair enough. Steve? Uh, so I'll, I'll do it the other way around uh, from George. I think we'll get a draw against Huddersfield. I, 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 still, I, think, I still think they're not very good. Uh so one all against Huddersfield, well, draw against Huddersfield. I think we'll lose a narrow one against West Brom. Again, they're a funny club. They're not, they're not exactly, they're, they're a very funny club to read at the moment, West Brom. They've got their own issues with finances and ownership as well. Uh, I, think that, I think we'll lose a tight one there. 
So, uh, so yeah, and then, yeah, as George said, on to Leicester, which, oh, God only knows. We'll do Leicester next week, maybe. Maybe that's an idea. Of, yeah, of course. Just to stop, if we're just heading towards the ledge. Um, Safa? Um, so I'm going to be a bit more positive. I think we might. I think we might sneak a win against Huddersfield. I, I do. I think we might. Um, assuming uh, that we've got, you know, hopefully a fully, well, not fully fit, but we hopefully Cook's back. I'd like to see Cannon start on the right. I think we might sneak one. So I'm going to go 2-1 against Huddersfield. And I think we will narrowly lose to West Brom. That's my prediction for the next two. I don't want to do Leicester. I, I wouldn't. I'm not doing that. I don't want to even think about Leicester. I'm putting Leicester in. The, I'm putting them in the Premiership box in the wrong division. Um, and too difficult to talk about at the moment. Um, so maybe we'll do that next week. Um, I'm thinking. Um, I think it's going to be windy. Oh yeah, put up there with wind stuff. We'll go. You go on Saturday stuff. I am. I am. Yeah, you got that long drive now. What time are you leaving at? Um, I'm actually going to be heading up the night before. So Fliss, um, we're being pregnant. She can't do a long trip from Isle of Wight to Huddersfield. So we're going up the day before. We weird to say, Safa. <laughs> That's All right. Okay. There's a long old trip. Expensive. So, yes. And um, I think we'll win for you. I do. I really do. I must. This type of someone I'd rip, by the way. I thoroughly recommend them. They're legal. Um and I think West Brom will be a draw. And yes, there we go. With that, I'm going to leave that there. In fact, we'll win both. Yeah, go for it. Let's be positive. We'll win both. Um, and, and everything's going to be great and marvellous. Um, right. It's ours end. I'm going to do mine very quickly, which is basically, whatever happens, don't let it spill into the stands. Everyone, keep it, keep it on the pitch. And we, 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 we love together. We cry together when we lose, but I just hope it doesn't turn into fans fighting with each other. I'm sick of that over the years. I don't want that. I don't need it. I don't think anyone needs that. So let's hope that doesn't happen. And my other one is, now this is an individual choice. You can do this if you want, but I see a lot of people, and I do it myself, because my me, me grandfather died in the war, and we've all got some thing like that there. Um, you get your puppies. If you've got to do the, the, the QPR puppies, you get them in the puppy shop. I recommend them because it's it's decent. But only if you want to, no one's saying you have to and you have to wear them. I'm not doing that. But if you are going to do that, I do recommend the QPR puppy one. It's, it's a nice badge and it, it looks nice and it's for a very good cause. If you want to do it, and I'm not having a whole debate about the puppy. I'm just saying. Right, Safa. Okay, so for mine, a very quick shout out for Sky for moving our game against Preston away to a Friday night. That's really oh. good. So that was nice. Um, but for my hours end, um, we went to, um, last or after, um, for our last game, we had the 2003 reunion, um, that QPR held and that, that was absolutely fantastic. Um, everything that was right about QPR was in that, that time. So, um, there's a, they, they, there's a, the whole thing is on YouTube. It's about two hours long, but if you're feeling a bit down in the dumps and I think we probably all are looking at the faces here go back and just watch that if you get a chance because it will make you smile it will remember remind you why we love this club and as i said i I'd strongly recommend it especially at a time like this george well I'll, I'll add a couple of smiles to us as well our former 
right back Todd Kane, known to be 13 million, signing for top league club in Gibraltar, Manchester 1962. I'll just leave it there. Bless him. Bless him. <laughs> Bless him. Yeah, Red <laughs> is still in the championship regardless. Steve. So um I want to give a shout out to uh, an excellent thread from uh, a guy called Andrew Scherer on Twitter. He's a QPR fan. He's he's done a great big kind of data insights uh, thread, which Clive published on Lawful Words. Well worth a read. If you've got uh, 10 to 15 minutes, it's uh, there's a lot of numbers in there, but it's it's really interesting from anyone who's interested in, interested in looking at football from a data perspective and where QPR are. Okay, on, sorry. Yeah, no, no. So so yeah, so shout out to him. Have a have a look at that. Uh, I think you can find him on Twitter at, at Shezza. So and yeah, you know, look, we've been really quite down in the dumps, of course, about everything that's going on. But I think like you said, Paul, context, bigger picture, there's a big wide world out there, difficult times, etc. Let's put all of this in context. I know that's a bit trite when people say that, but it is true. Uh, yeah, it's uh, let's just remember how fortunate we are sometimes. You're quite right. You're quite right. And we should remember how fortunate we are that we don't support Chelsea. I like that, Steve. <laughs> it's... Absolutely. Yeah. It's difficult be- enough, Paul. I told, Paul, I told you this last time. I'm living in Putney, it's been incredibly annoying uh, when Fulham have been playing games at the same time as uh, uh, QPR because I came back from the Blackburn game uh, on the Tube and, of course, waiting for me at Putney Bridge were hordes of uh, Fulham fans and there I was in my Convivia shirt <laughs> looking like a right plum. So I'd, I'd take the back way around the station. <laughs> But thank goodness that wasn't Chelsea, because I think it would have been a lot worse had that been Chelsea. Well, they, they, they them are very strange towards us. They kind of have all these songs about it and rivalry. And, and I remember years ago saying that, you know, I see my with many people, oh, oh, you know, they'll never overtake us with the ground and their support. Hey-ho. But how you wind them up, Steve, is always asking, when do they stop supporting Chelsea? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. But I'll remember uh, that one. I'll let you know how that goes. <laughs> We, we see you through fans. We know. We know. Right, guys, I think this podcast has gone to a conclusion now. I, I think it's been a great session. I hope have we all got our feet in the floor. Are we all feeling okay? Are we, are we going forward? Um, George, you going Saturday? No, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm watching it uh, when I'm away. So, yeah. Fair enough, mate. Well, I'll see you at the bush at Leicester. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm off to West Brom, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to... Somehow that makes sense, but yeah, I'm well, going. I want to go to West Brom, but the moment I'm carless, it's a bit of a stress. Um, anyway, so if anyone's leaving from Barnet and have a car, let me know. Um, I might have a car by then, but I probably won't. Um, Safa, I will see you on Saturday. Will do. See you there, Paul. And Steve, I hope to meet you one day in person again. I know I'm making the train, but we will have yeah. to have a conversation one day, right? Absolutely. Um, I'm not sure about the Leicester game at the moment. Uh, that depends on actually a couple of other people. But uh, the only away game I'm able to do in the next few weeks is Norwich, actually. I'm away a bit in November, but I think Norwich I'll hopefully get to. So, Norwich, by the way, between Villaricky and somewhere near Norwich, just so you know, we're booking that thing today. Oh, very good. 
It's really ends up being a fucking nightmare this season, and I don't mind swearing every fucking time I try and sort this out, and and, and now the press again me it's, it's just fuck off with your Aston Villa and fucking skies doing my head in. Like yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm calm, I'm calm. Again. No, it's been it is a nightmare, and I think I just wish I could accept. I know players care, but sometimes I'd like to say to them, like, you know, it's a bit of a trek to get to these games sometimes. So um, you think you've got it hard. Anyway, moving on. And um, I'd also, without ending it on politics, by the way, I've spoken to a lot of people who have got relatives in Israel and stuff like that there, and you say about context, and my heart goes out to anyone. I've, I've come from a conflict. I know what a conflict's like. I'm not going to say one side or the other, but um, grim. Very, very grim what's coming out. So listen, um, thoughts to everyone. And I know um, some of them listen to the podcast and some are even on the podcast. So yeah, people are thinking about you. So there we go. We've, we've, we've done the therapy. I hope it works. And I want to say to everyone, thank you for keeping listening to this podcast. We do try and do upbeat ones now and again. Come back in five years. Maybe we'll do one then. Um, but listen, guys, Steve Bernard, thank you very much. Good luck with the wee one and good luck avoiding full of fun to put me. I'll try. Thank you, Paul. Just follow the cheese boards. Um, Safa, Michael, got it right. Um, thank you, mate. And thanks for sorting your mortgage out. By the way, Safa is a great mortgage advisor and you can find him on Twitter and he, he doesn't need the work, but he's very good and he's, he's, he's helped me out of a very dark place in my mortgage. So thank you, Safa. Oh, thank um, you very much, Paul. Pleasure. And George, mate, it's always an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, it's so good to see you always around and keep you on talking about it. It's um, You're the future. All, all sorts like me, we'll, we'll, um, we need our seats filled and you're the future. So uh, good luck for the next 50 years. It, oh, honestly, it's it's a gas. It really is a laugh, honestly. Um, thanks, guys. I'll see you all soon. And thanks, everyone who's listened to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. And thank you for your continued support. And please keep listening. We will do a cheerful one, one soon, I promise. You pay hard, this one right